Welcome to the Age of Audio. My name's Graham Brown from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle & Co. The Age of Audio is a series of conversations with thought leaders and changemakers in the world of audio. That's podcasts, radio, and social audio converging with big data to create engaging and authentic content for a new generation of listeners. I like that word, that phrase, instant companionship. That we can't underestimate that, can we? That sort of impact of radio and audio, I suppose we're going to talk about. And you say that radio presenters were trained. And you you were sitting, I guess, the other side of the glass as the producer, mm. right? What did you see in what they did that we can learn from in the world of podcasting? What do they what did they do differently that your average podcaster, whether they're pro or amateur, doesn't do? Particularly from my experience in commercial radio where you have often you have a music format with a presenter it's not just all speech based although it can be what's important is that so what factor so long rambling links don't work for the consumer in the same way that long rambling podcasts don't work and and if i if i start with the podcast world i think what we've seen is it's brilliant that it's a kind of hobbyist medium anybody can produce a podcast but what you find with people that are from a maybe a non-radio background is the very first podcast they put out there is probably explaining what their series is going to be about mm. then they put through lots of episodes what we've learned from radio i think is how people consume so in each people might drop into episode three without having to having listened to episode one so in radio terms that you know we program radio for reach and for frequency and taking into account how often somebody's going to listen and when they're going to listen. So they might not hear the beginning of the show. So you can't take for granted that they know what you're talking about. So in radio, every link is crafted so that it's understandable to someone who may have just switched on mm. at that point. So you can't start a radio link with, as I was talking about earlier, mm. you have to be succinct and clear. And I think exactly the same applies to podcasting. In each episode, to craft it well, you need to almost have that kind of catch-up or narrative or tell a story so that each episode works in isolation or automatically links back to what's come before. Mm. Can you do that if you're, let's say, an insurance brand and you are thinking about, you know, how, how do I use a podcast to, you know, for their first you know, their first step is going to be, how do we sell insurance, right? Which is, okay, yeah. maybe that ain't going to work directly here. We kind of need to step back a little bit. But as a, you know, we're, we're not interesting as a brand. We don't do that kind of narrative stuff. Is that relevant? How do you talk people in, how do you talk to them in that kind of situation? Um, so with, with something like that, you need to to take, I guess, the, the issue or the information and, the craft is finding a way to make it relevant and personal to people. So mm. every, you know, we all need insurance in our lives. We all buy insurance, but there are multiple different types of insurance, whether that's pet insurance, you know, car insurance, home insurance. So what a good podcast is not a tell situation. It's going to leave the listener with something valuable and, and information that's presented, I think, in a really clear, easy to understand way. So you may have, an expert with a non-expert and it's about teasing out the information in a conversational way and i think that's 
that's another thing that's so key about audio mm. is it's got to be conversational. What people love about podcasts is their authenticity, that they're not preachy, they're not highbrow, they're either informational, educational, like listening to a couple of friends in a studio talking about something. So whatever the subject matter is, it's bringing it to life in in that kind of close to me conversational mm. type of way. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, the way you describe it, the conversational aspect, the authenticity, the, these are all very much the the words de jour that people talk about when they think about the format. Um, a lot of people are thinking about this as you know these sort of more vulnerable conversations as well that we don't have necessarily on a day-to-day -day basis inside companies as well so th there's all sort of this this discovery process going on about what podcasts could be and how they're they're being developed as well and we've come a long way since obviously you know if we go back to how serial put it on the map for everybody and people really started listening to podcasts and how brands are kind of learning that it's got to go beyond man speaks to man type podcast, you know, and, and those kind of adopt those more interesting narratives. From your perspective, what, what's really interesting in this space at the moment? Who's really pushing the boundary and inspiring you in terms of content and formats and ideas about podcasts? Very interested in what Spotify are doing at the moment. So love the fact that as a business, they've recognised they've got this huge engaged audience that they've you know built up through mm. audio listening, but music listening, but have realised that from a commercial perspective, podcasting is going to be more valuable to them as a as a media commodity than just music you know, advertising in music. And I'm really interested in some of the the ideas and the series that they're commissioning, and they're building on what some of the other publishers are doing with the kind of daily drive short form mm. audio and we've seen a massive trend towards short form audio which for me as an individual suits me perfectly you know i i struggle to listen to an hour or two hour podcast but i love a 5 10 15 20 minute podcast so i like the, the, the sort of move to shorter episodes i find quite inspiring I also think it's really interesting what FIFA have done recently. Um, you know, we do a lot of work in sports. Mm. So the whole FIFA sounds thing for me is really interesting to see a big, fairly kind of corporate rights holder realizing they need to do something image mm. and marketing wise. So trying to present themselves more, more as more than just a football brand and kind of they've seen that crossover between art, music, football and are kind of zoning in on the the personality aspect so you know bringing a musical person and a sports person together to mm. discuss issues is quite interesting and it's a similar thing if you think about premier league football clubs we've now seen that most football clubs have one or two big stars whose personal brand is probably bigger than the club mm. itself in terms of their social following or anything else and it's a similar thing so i think I'm excited about personalities using audio in new ways and crossover between different areas. And to see a bigger organization like FIFA moving into that space, but mm. in a less obvious way, I think is quite exciting.
And why do you think they're doing it? What's driving them? Is it that they spot new licensing opportunities or is it something beyond that? I think it's a few things. It's part of their brand definition. So I think they're, this is my personal view, but I think their reputation is quite sterile hmm. um, and, and grey. And so they, they want to sort of extend that brand outside of just sport, probably. Hmm. The gaming brand has already got some links in life with music, so it plays in perfectly to that. So they're exploiting, um, I suppose, some current trends to just help extend their brand, their brand values and move them into other hmm. areas. So there is a big commercial element to it as well with FIFA, for sure. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a brand that's really has hasn't had a great pr um run for the last few years has it i mean it's always kind of i mean y you know what the situation is we don't have to go into it on, on tape so yeah um yeah. okay Inter the spotify part is fascinating isn't it because mm. um obviously this kind of bring us around a little bit to the search and the ai part as well is that i see yeah. you know effectively spotify have realized where the commercial sense lies obviously you know a business built around record labels is never going to be a great business because they're taking a, a small cut of every dollar effectively the rest is being paid to performance rights you know the mechanical rights societies and so on they're only mm -hmm. getting a little bit and they have very little control over the pricing and now here along comes podcasts and even that that joe rogan deal if you think you know 100 million mm. that's too much money but their share price increased 10% the same day. That was like $2.7 billion in value on their market cap. So, you know, was it a good investment? It paid off like day one for them, if you look at it from the CEO's perspective. But I'm really interested, the, you know, the kind of noises they're making, the things they're trying, like you've mentioned the short form stuff, they're doing like that kind of daily drive mix now, aren't they? Which they've been yeah. trialing, which is really interesting. It's like radio automation which is like really, I think they, they're tapping into something, they're testing it now. If you look at what they're doing on their research side, there's a lot going into search as well and you know indexing all the, the, the audio. What do you see is really interesting in that space at the moment that excites you? I was thinking about this, about the way they surface content compared to Apple. You know, if you listen on Apple, mm. if you listen on Spotify and neither of them you know are, are publishing obviously what they're doing in the background with their seo and their algorithms but there's definitely some interesting thinking about how their spotify are, are going to start using their data to suggest content for you hmm. um you know i don't have all the answers to it um but i think yeah i think that it, with with podcast seo at the moment um, and, you know, if, if we move into that area for a second, hmm. um, you know, still the most prominent way you're going to find a podcast is probably Apple, Spotify. Hmm. And as a podcaster, you still, you know, everybody needs to use all the basic tr tricks and there's a whole list of things you can do. So, you know, everywhere you'll hear the listen, follow, review, which I'm sure you use. Um, but, you know, it, it's really important that, um, you use all the tricks that you'd use in traditional SEO in podcast mm. SEO. So everything from the title of your podcast and your show, show description, there's some mm. really interesting tricks in terms of phrases. You've got to use that kind of 
explicit description mm. having a web page helps promoting it on social helps but there is there is no silver bullet i don't think at the mm. moment for that mm. yeah i was speaking to um uh todd the founder of blueberry podcasting yeah. you know they were like they're like the ogs of podcasting he set that thing up in 2005 wow. i'm not right and it's amazing how ahead of the game they were so yeah. he was saying that um the biggest what from their data so it may be skewed the biggest mm. discovery tool for podcast is google meaning mm. like we kind of overlook it it's like people go to google and search it and that's where they find most podcasts and then they'll yeah. go and they'll follow that to apple or spotify right yeah but increasingly i think you know spotify and apple have to change their game because like you go on apple you go on spotify that's experience that you have is going to determine which one you're going to go back to because you've already now started saying that you prefer spotify in certain instances right in terms of mm. experience certain instances is better and that's going to bring more people across right so i'm really curious about how that's going to play out now the really i, I wonder what you think about this that spotify recently did a deal with facebook and uh that was to bring the spotify player to facebook and you know the 1.x billion facebook users now the interesting angle on that is that 2001 20 years ago google did a deal with yahoo and yahoo used to be powered by the search engine ink to me and okay. they dropped ink to me and all yahoo search got powered by google in 2001 and like all that time, Google was collecting data. They were getting to Yahoo's customers. They were learning about them, learning about their journeys and stuff. And then in 2004, Yahoo realized, hang on a second, what's going on here? And then they realized that that was a really bad deal and they dumped um, Google and took everything back in house again. And then I saw, you know, Spotify did this deal with Facebook. I'm looking at that, hmm. That looks really familiar to me. I'm wondering what you think about all these kind of like tie-ups in the audio space at the moment and what you can read into that. Because I guess your content publishers must be wondering, do we get on Facebook? Do we get on Twitter spaces? Do we get on Clubhouse? What are you telling them at the moment? Yeah, it, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? And I think, first of all, what's exciting is that all the social media platforms are either you know, developed audio products or experimenting in audio, number mm. one. So isn't it incredible that it just reinforces the fact that people want audio, people want to communicate through voice, which is a whole other side of our business because it's quicker, easier. So yeah, Twitter, Facebook. So with our with our clients, it's about being where your customers are. So when we produce audio or podcasts for our clients, we will always produce audio cuts or audiograms as we call them to go on all their social channels, whether that be Facebook, Twitter, um, et cetera, things like Twitch and Clubhouse, mm. really important, particularly in the sport world at the mm. moment. So it's about having presence on those channels as well. But I think it's fascinating, you know, what you've just said um, about that, that's Facebook tie up and I'm ex you know, excited to see more really. Mm. I think that, certainly in terms of how we get how, how stuff will get promoted to us and you know with facebook it's quite spooky isn't it we all know we've all seen the documentaries in terms of what they surface but 
I think Spotify certainly seems to promote more through listener tastes, not just topics mm. or style. So if you've listened to a particular type of podcast, they seem to recommend more on style or via a guest that may have been on a podcast that you've listened to. So if you then layer on what Facebook can do mm. um, in terms of pushing pushing content and tying in likes and referrals and stuff yeah i, I think it, it's phenomenal it, you mm. know it, it will undoubtedly they've all recognized all the social media platforms have recognized they're missing a trick with audio and they need to be mm. in the game and they're clearly all doing tie-ups in the background so i think we're about to see something quite exciting over the next couple of years i can't quite predict how it's going to go <laughs> i don't know if you can but it, it's kind of mind-boggling when you think about it does it sort of fix that problem that a lot of podcasters are having now which is audience growth say problem i mean challenge that they're finding it a lot harder there's there's more of an incline now in growing audiences it's not you know if you went five years ago and you you launched a podcast you had an audience right that was it yeah like, wow you had a podcast yeah. i'll subscribe but now it, it's a lot harder as any media industry consolidates right so do yeah. you think these are the answers like you know facebook and clubhouse or, or are there sort of things that people need to be doing or things you're seeing about growing audiences and community because i imagine sport they've been doing this for a long time they know how to grow communities and you know, what's happening there in terms of what that can teach us about audience growth yeah i think there's um there's there's a lot of issues there probably one is quality over quantity so mm. as you've said you know podcasting has been around for 15 20 years there's an there's a lot of content out there of varying quality going back to the radio conversation we were having having the experience of creating content for the ear and not the eye is a massively different skill so anybody that's coming at this with a a radio production background will be thinking about how do I keep it engaging using those tricks to lock the listener in, keep them coming back for more. Whereas other people just approach it straight as open the mic off I go mm. talk and they will come. So there, there is going to be something around quality and potentially filtering, I think in the future that doesn't exist mm. in terms of surfacing your content and discoverability. It is a big challenge. And as I say, SEO and, some of the stuff we were just talking about is really important. I think we'll see more specialist hubs. So we've launched a sport podcast network in the mm. UK for exactly that reason, because and um, Blue Wire have done the same thing in America. It's really hard to discover great sport content if you just go on to Apple, because you tend to get just serve the same big podcasts over and over again. So having a destination, whatever the vertical that specializes in entertainment or student radio or sport, I think is going to make it easier for people to start to filter what they really want, because mm. at the moment, the search engines on the podcast platforms doesn't really do it for you. So, you know, with our sport platform, we were on a mission to help those podcasters grow audience and grow revenue mm. and make it easier for people to discover sport. If you like sport, you may want to listen to something that's about golf or snooker or tennis. You don't just want to listen to the biggest football podcast in the world, which is what you probably normally get served every time you go on to Apple. And the other tricks 
that we're employing is getting the podcasts to cross promote each other in their shows mm. because they're non-conflicting and i don't think enough of that goes on on the big networks either it's more Absolutely. advertising focused than promotional mm. yeah this cross promotion uh tactic has come up a few times with people i've spoken mm. to in terms of you know this is what they've discovered in the last two years is really the the 10x in terms of you know audience growth over traditional podcast audience strategies right you know that it's one plus one equals three in that world isn't it if you can find an aligned podcast and do a trade or even host swaps as well works perfectly yeah. fine right yeah uh, host swaps and guest sharing it's a really good tactic yeah it's like so would that then would that then roll into podcast networks in different formats or do you think this will kind of like turn into something else these sort of cross promotions would that be part of a podcast network's role you know, i think so yeah it, it's certainly something that we've put in place for our sport network and mm. yeah, we only launched in february but early signs are really really strong mm. in terms of the cross promotion tools we're using but also promoting the network in traditional media so we've got a big radio campaign promoting the network so using all the obvious channels is the obvious thing to do but if you're an individual podcaster you probably can't afford to do that mm. which is why i feel the specialist networks can do that and should be doing that mm-hmm. and does the network promote essentially off store because it, like once you're on store I, I guess the only kind of promotion you can do is like in episode like you know mid-roll and stuff like that i mean i'm not sure how technically it would work with these guys yeah. Yeah. How, so you would like, you know, like you say, if you're listening to a football podcast, you could drop in a a bumper or a stinger, you know, listen to this, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I just find that fascinating. I think like networks would almost form the role of syndicated radio in the old days in a way, isn't it? It's kind of like grouping together, you know, in a way radio is a discovery tool and it's like some way to discover content and the same way networks are kind of filling that role if you like and i yeah. just f- think that that it's it's interesting how the model is almost kind of taking bits from what worked you know the difference with like traditional radio is like it's open syndication isn't it anybody can submit to spotify and apple but now the the flip side of that is because everybody can syndicate like you don't have these captured audiences it's like okay what's relevant to my area What's relevant to my you know like if i listen to jazz or i listen to you know casual music or whatever now you've got networks kind of filling that role because the main platforms like you say the search isn't up there yet i mean apple is just terrible really as an experience for an app it's just awful if you consider who they are but so i think as is, know, as is if you try and search in the alexa the amazon alexa skill store you know different thing but the search functionality is really, really, really poor. Hmm. It's interesting what you say about the, the radio connection again, because yeah, in radio, you're always trailing other shows, you know, so in the breakfast show, you'll be trailing coming up later or hmm. guests on tonight. So I think the data that a, a business like Spotify has built up on its listeners and their likes, you know, if you like jazz, you might also like this, hmm. there will be a more sophisticated suggestion and promotion coming and it it feels to me that spotify are moving faster in that area Mm. at the moment but it it will be interesting going back to something else you said about content as well 
there's so much content out there it's almost clogging it's making it very hard for us to, to discover the great stuff and i i hope that a lot of the big networks and broadcasters stop just taking every show that they create and churning it out mm. as a podcast mm. because mm. it's not really a podcast it's just a, sh a recorded show you know for me podcasts are off should be offering something different mm. to what's live um and it's just like recording in the old days you know a video of a tv show and shoving it out there for the oh, world oh yeah isn't it? oh yeah that that's it's, at best, I think that's what some people are doing. Some companies I know are doing that. You know, the webinar are reformatted to audio. Classic example, isn't it? Yeah. That, it sounds terrible. All the conference panel session reformatted in audio. It's just awful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. Sophie, this is really good conversation. Thank you for your insights today. Pleasure. You've been listening to The Age of Audio with me, Graham Brown, from the award-winning podcast agency, Pickle & Co. To get access to all the audio conversations and book content for The Age of Audio, go to www.theageofaudio.com. One more time, theageofaudio.com.